Greetings. This is Jim McCarty welcoming you to the L&L Research Podcast in the Now, episode number 62. L&L Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. And towards this end has two websites, the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. During each episode, we respond to questions sent to L&L Research from spiritual seekers like you. Our panel consists of Austin Bridges, Gary Bean, and myself, each of us a devoted student of the Law of One. Your questions allow us to explore the Law of One and related matters of metaphysical interest. We hope only to offer a resource that enhances your own seeking process. Please know that our replies are not the final word on these subjects. We ask each who listens to exercise her discernment and be sensitive to his resonance in determining what is true for him or her. If you would like to submit a question for the show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. You may either send an email to contact at lnlresearch.org or go to lnlresearch.org forward slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Jim McCarty, and we are embarking on a new episode of LNL Research's weekly podcast in the now. Gary and Austin, are we ready to go? That is true. I believe that I am. All right. We have a question this week from a woman named Penny. And her question is, has a little background first. If you activate your green ray too early and you go crazy into a delusional world where you actually see the creator in everything and everyone and unconditional love for all, but then a new catalyst appears to make you doubt everything, which sends you into despair and confusion, how do you repair it? If I activated it too early, how do I fix the damage that I've done within my own mind-body-spirit complex? I have a closed heart now and I can't seem to reactivate it. I went from seeing all as creator and having unconditional love for all that is to terror, fear, and crippling loss of belief to now a kind of nothingness. I'm very stable now, but I don't feel anything. And although I appreciate the stability, I miss the love and vibrancy and seeing all as the creator. It's just not there anymore. Okay, first of all... uh Austin, uh, what do you think about the concept of uh, opening the green ray too early? Is that possible? And if so, what? Uh, how could you tell it might be possible? Well, I think that um, it does correlate with the raw material somewhat. Uh, Ra talks about, in uh, talking about the energy centers, they reference it as raising the kundalini. And there is a point where they say, this is in session 49. They say, uh, this phenomenon has been called by your peoples, the Kundalini. However, it may uh, better be thought of as a meeting place of the cosmic and inner, shall we say, vibratory understanding. To attempt to raise the locus of this meeting without realizing the metaphysical principles of magnetism upon which this depends is to invite great imbalance. So this concept of opening the heart too early may seem a little uh weird to think that um opening it at all is a bad thing but it's possible that if somebody is really 
uh, willful or forcefully trying to uh, like blast their heart open without paying proper attention to the balancing techniques and to other experiences that they're having that might build a firm foundation upon which that open heart can stand, then yeah, I think it's uh, totally possible to experience something like this. What Penny describes seems a little extreme to me. I don't know how common that sort of thing would be. But um, as far as this concept of actually opening the heart too early, uh, yeah, I think it's totally possible. Okay, um, Gary, how about you? Uh, do you think that it's possible to open the heart too early, or do things happen as they should? You know, is it all always well? Uh, are there any mistakes? Well, to um, the way you're asking that sets me on a slightly <laughs> different trajectory than my prepared answer to her question. Erase all that. What were you going to say? <laughs> Uh, that That is a really interesting question, and it's not something I had really addressed, though, in, in my own reply, and that's that, um, is it unsafe to open the heart? or can Because oh, to me, like, the heart is is the refuge, is the safety point, um, is that which brings things into balance and offers protection and melts distortions and so on and so forth. So um, this concept of opening the heart being uh, an unsafe act or, you know, jumping too far ahead before the self is ready is a bit confusing to me. But so uh, do you want me to go into my long answer or did you want to? Um, no, go right into your answer. I want to hear what you have to say. Okay, so um, first I would um, empathize with the the – um, experience that Penny's going through because it does sound uh, difficult. And um, I would start by r- repeating what Penny said, but with her concept of green ray changed to a human romantic relationship. So I'll repeat her first sentence, but with that replacement. If you fall in love with someone too early and you go crazy into delusional world where you actually see the creator in the one you love and your heart is so open that you see the creator in everyone and unconditional love for all, but then a new catalyst appears to make you doubt everything which sends you into despair slash confusion. How do you repair it? So naturally, I cannot know what happened in your situation, Penny, but in, in attempting even a modicum of understanding, I keep coming back to falling in love. Uh, When you fall in love, there's the universal experience of the honeymoon. The sky is bluer, the sun brighter. You walk with a lighter step. You might be friendlier, softer, kinder. You might be more generous. You might smile more. Where there was resentment, there may not be generosity of spirit and so forth. But as everyone well knows, uh, this experience generally has its end. It fades. It recedes. Something happens. Reminders that life isn't as perfect as it had felt for a moment, reappear. The old patterns resume. Pain comes back. The traps of contraction and suffering replace the expansive sense of freedom. So what happens to the person who falls in love and walks on cloud nine? Was their joy a delusion? Is the love that they felt invalidated by the subsequent return of old patterns? Which version of themselves was the quote-unquote real one? the love-filled person or the troubled one? So um, I don't have good answers to those questions, but I tend to think that any experience of love is genuine or points, at least, to something that's genuine. Even uh, chemically-induced states that seem superficial and temporary, say those precipitated by alcohol, 
each experience of love must offer a glimpse of what love is. And in that light, I think that you caught a glimpse, a big glimpse. Your experience was genuine. I mean, it revealed something to you. For a duration of time, you were on the mountaintop. You saw more clearly. You were more consciously connected to your deeper identity. But, and this is dovetails with uh, where Austin was headed with the principles of magnetism. You weren't ready to find more permanent residence in those higher altitudes. There were things yet unaddressed within you, so you had to come back down and do more work in the valley. And that's my best guess, with emphasis on the word guess, as to your experience. And um, I don't know what the mechanism was that allowed you to have this elevated state of consciousness, just like I don't know what it is that happens when someone falls in love and everything becomes right with the world. Um, but if there are still imbalances and blockages somewhere in the energetic system, especially the first triad, uh, then they will sooner or later make themselves known to you. And all that this indicates is that there's still work to do, and you are capable of doing this work. And um, you have a couple basic options so far as my limited vision sees. You can sit in the shadows and claim that the sunlight was not real, because now all you see around you are shadows. You can let doubt write the narrative for you. Or you can trust yourself. You can trust that the beauty of the experience you had was real. You can trust that that love is within you and that even though it's not immediately apparent to you in this moment, it is available and it is awaiting, waiting for you. And of course you can and must honor your present experience. That is to say, accept your experience, work with your feelings as you're feeling them, treat yourself with respect where you are. But you can also trust that, that the, that love you knew is, let's say, shorthand for a truer or clearer vision of yourself and others. And another word for this type of trust that you can invoke is called faith. You can have faith that on the other side of your shadows awaits the sunlight, always and forever. Um, just a couple more paragraphs here. So, What you seek is transformation. That generally happens as a result of work and consciousness done over time. It can often come upon us as quick as a lightning flash, but there is much, much work in the dark soil of the self that precedes illumination. And the goal, like, so you're asking how to repair it, how to fix it. The goal is not to produce a desired experience or to remanufacture your previous experience. The goal, rather, is to genuinely face and understand your self. There are underlying beliefs that are generating your current experience of doubt and despair and, as you say, nothingness. What are those? What are the blockages within you, the imbalances? What is it, really, that you fear? What is inside the darkness that you want so desperately to escape? How can you look honestly and compassionately at your inner energy dynamics? And, as importantly, how can you treat what you see with tenderness, acceptance, and compassion? In transformation, what you're doing is creating the space or the inner environment for love to come through. Love is intelligent, it is healing, it is transforming, and it is simple. But you, as a being possessed of free will, have work to do in knowing and accepting yourself, because you, like the rest of us, are blocking love and the experience of the Creator in various complex ways and various levels. And for love to endure in your being, this transformation is needed. And one quick final consideration. Uh, perhaps your experience was an initiation, and perhaps the doubt, terror, fear, nothingness 
that you're going through now is just part two. Back to you, host. Sorry. Long answer. Very good, Gary. You covered a lot of ground there. Um, I was thinking about how this opening supposedly too early may have occurred. Um, I would think that she would have to have been consciously working on opening her green ray unless it was a gift. And if it were a gift, then is also the doubt and the new catalyst that came a part of that gift? I'm going to assume for a moment at least that her opening of the green ray was a result of conscious effort, but she describes it herself as opening too early, which suggests that one of the energy centers below the green ray was probably not ready to receive the energy and hold it in a stable fashion and provide it to the green ray. Uh, If there was a blockage in the orange ray of our interpersonal relationships on a one-to-one basis, or if there was a blockage of the yellow ray of how we operate in groups and see ourselves as members of a, a larger consciousness. Um, I'm, I, uh, I'd, I'd be interested to know just exactly what the catalyst was. That would give me more of an idea of, uh, if it were one of those two energy centers. Uh, Ross suggested that the uh, red ray is not one that is usually worked upon. It's, it has to do with uh, sexual reproduction and survival. Although I would think that in the sexual activity, sharing with others, that that would be something that could be affected consciously. That it would be something that could um, be worked on by the seeker in one way or another that could either allow a freer flow of energy through the red ray or could block that energy. So I guess my question right now would be to uh, wonder what the despair and the confusion catalyst was and how did, how she, how can she repair it? Austin, do you have any ideas on uh, how she could repair this despair and confusion that has derailed her ability to experience unconditional love? Yeah. Uh, first, let me uh, apologize to Penny. She sent along some context for her question, but she didn't include it with her question. And I didn't include it in with what you would read because... It was pretty long, and I don't think she intended it to be included, but she did send some context, and I can try to paraphrase because I did read it. Um, you are correct in assuming that this experience was a result of a conscious effort. She had, I think, a very singular experience where one night she felt an opportunity to sort of push through and uh, open her heart, and she very uh, willfully and intentionally sort of like... Um, almost, in my interpretation of her story, forced her way into it, and then the following day she woke up transformed into her initial configuration that she talks about, this seeing everything as the creator. I don't think that she was specific about the experience that then knocked her down from that, but um, she said she had sort of fell from uh, that great height, and then subsequently... Um, used the balancing techniques to help balance the terror, fear, and uh, crippling loss of beliefs, and is now experiencing what she is saying as stability, but it's more nothingness. So she's no longer in the midst of those sort of unpleasant things, but she is uh, in sort of a stasis, I guess, is what she might describe it as, that feeling of nothingness, and she just wants to then reactivate the heart again and experience that love once more. So that's the context for her wanting to repair it, is that um, she's she's managed to balance the negative catalyst, but she hasn't arrived at a point 
where she is able to uh, feel that open heart again. So I think that uh, um, Penny's story reminds me a lot of, um, is it Icarus who flew too close to the sun? Right. And uh, the wax wings melted and he plummeted to the sea. I think that's sort of what happened to Penny. And, um, you know, Icarus, what happened to him was he got enamored with the experience of flying and forgot about the uh, warnings that his father gave him who built him the wings and he flew uh, too high. So that, uh, I think, is points to the fact that this experience that she had is a universal experience, that it is something that people have been talking about and making stories about for centuries uh, because that is such a quintessential myth that has lasted forever or it's lasted since it was come came up with but uh how to repair it i would say i think that um something that she could do is simply request the experience that might help bring this reparation uh which i'd be surprised if she hasn't already done that but i just want to reiterate the fact that uh we believe that people ex- uh, are brought the experiences they needed to grow. Each entity receives the opportunity that each entity needs. So a gentle request, I would say, not something so willful or forceful as what brought her that initial experience, but a gentle request to have an experience that can help her open the heart again, I think would go a long way. But um, that's probably kind of obvious advice. So she might be looking for something a little more active. Uh, so I do think that there is something maybe she could focus on in uh, pursuing this joy of the open heart that she got a glimpse of but can't feel anymore. And I think that it starts with recognizing the uh, blessing of stability like she describes it. She says that she is stable now uh, but just can't feel that open heart. And so I would say start by realizing that that stability is truly a great blessing. And even if it feels lacking of the joy is a base from which to do spiritual work from. Most people, uh, even those of on a path of conscious evolution, don't have that luxury of stability and greeting their experiences with a solid uh, ground. Um, I think most of us, or a lot of people, often feel as though we're thrown about by our emotions and that life itself is what is picking what we should be focusing on rather than us having the ability to do that ourselves. But in her stability, I think that she has this opportunity to very deliberately and consciously pursue this path now. And uh, we have in stability this option to choose what we want to challenge ourselves with instead of having life offer us challenges. So I would ask Penny if uh, she has any feeling in the stability at all of something that excites her or challenges her or uh, she finds uncomfortable, even if it's just a small hint of any of those things, I think that to me that indicates a direction that she should head in and a, a sort of a path to consciously choose to take those steps in that direction instead of waiting for something to come to her. And even if it doesn't seem like a direct path to the open heart, if it doesn't seem like that path will lead to the joy of the open heart, I think that any sort of inner feedback like that can help start on that path. Because in my experience, 
uh, the opening of the heart doesn't always happen through a direct experience of a joyful circumstance. Sometimes it can be a more challenging uh, circumstance that allows us to open the heart. So given her previous experience uh, with, you know, very uh, willfully and forcefully opening the heart, I would emphasize the need to do this with caution and gentleness for the self. Just testing waters, not diving too deep, but pushing the boundaries of the stability and uh, really sort of figuring out what might make her uncomfortable or what really excites her. And uh, from that stable ground, take steps in that direction. And uh, um, I think that the benefit of stability is that ability to pursue these less pleasant experiences uh, that... Uh, many people experience without intention, we can do that instability with care and caution. And uh, we can be prepared with a habit of meditation and the knowledge of the balancing exercises and just knowledge of balance itself, which uh, sounds like she's seeking that knowledge and advice for that knowledge. So um, I think it starts with recognizing what a blessing stability is and then just working from that point very intentionally. And uh, listening to those even small inner hints of what direction to take. Great job, Austin. Um, a lot of good suggestions in there. Gary, what do you think about how she could go about repairing this uh, difficulty, this blockage she has in her open heart now? As I was uh, suggesting earlier, just to work with where she is, to pay attention to her, her experience. It sounds, <clears throat> I read in her words, and this may be. Um, hope I'm not imposing interpretation on her words, but hearing what she's saying, but there's um, an aversion to where she is. There's an attachment to the former experience to the extent that she trusts that it was real and an aversion to her present experience. So she wants to run away from where she is. And um, like Austin was indicating, where she is is, is informative, is, is teaching her something. It's not, nothing is being imposed upon her that is not uh, somehow a function of what she needs to learn and her own journey. And so I, I think uh, an acceptance is needed, a tenderness is needed. And one specific energy dynamic that comes to my mind that may be helpful for her to investigate is self-doubt. Um, she used the word doubt as part of what transpired after she lost this experience of the open heart. <clears throat> so what was it that's being doubted? I think ultimately it's the self. She doubts herself on, on, a, on a deep level. So I think there could be very profitable work there to find where and how she is doubting the self or is not trusting the self or is not listening to the self and, you know, so on and so forth. And uh, that sort of work, I think, helps clear out the blockages through balance and understanding and acceptance and creates the space within which energy can return to the open heart and begin to gradually, organically, of its own rhythm, rise into higher chakras and higher perception. All right. Very good, Gary. Um, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking there might be at least two different approaches that she could take. Uh, going back and looking at the difficult catalyst that came her way and caused the self-doubt, and then um, going forward from uh, that point on into whatever her future holds, according to the uh, the work that she's able to do to unblock the heart. Uh, I think that 
in a situation like this, it's really helpful if we can get in touch with some other portion of our own mind complex, uh, whether it's our subconscious minds, uh, what we're all called the high priestess, our higher self, uh, a guide, um, a teacher of some sort on the inner planes that we may have contact with in previous experiences. Um, and there are a number of ways of getting in contact with our um, subconscious mind or higher self or guides. And I think that one of them that might be helpful for her to deal with the um, catalyst that was so uh, terrorizing and, and caused the, the self-doubt might be to um, use the dream state to uh, make a suggestion to your subconscious mind each night before you go to bed that you would like to have some sort of a, a dream message that could give you an idea of how better to utilize the catalyst that came your way and which uh, proved to be so difficult to deal with. Um, and if you can do this on a periodic basis, on a, on a nightly basis, I think that it can produce some real results. If dream work doesn't seem like it's something that is really uh, for you, that doesn't uh, ring any bells for you, I think that you can get to the, basically the same point by um, keeping a journal or writing some personal entries into uh, a journal on a daily basis where you attempt to delve into the catalyst that you experienced, maybe even go back into how you uh, moved into the heart with that uh, willful push when you had the opportunity or the invitation. Uh, examine the entire experience uh, from that invitation to how it manifested, how you felt when it manifested, then to how the catalyst felt when it came your direction, and how you dealt with the catalyst, and why you you feel like now you're in a state that you would describe as uh, stable, but uh, really not able to feel much, feeling kind of, uh, oh, I guess, uh, ho-hum or, or neutral about everything. I think that... Um, Sometimes when we keep a little journal and we really do ask ourselves, our conscious selves or some portion of our subconscious, uh, these questions, maybe meditate on it a little bit and then begin to do some writing, that we can begin to access information that's held a little deeper in our either conscious mind or subconscious mind and partake in what I guess a lot of people would call automatic writing so that you're able to bring forth some uh, illumination and uh, direction from uh, a deeper part of your own self. And that's really what you're looking for here because uh, that you're, you're the seeker of truth here and, and you have gotten to the point where you were able to get into your heart. I mean, I'm very impressed with that. That was, you know, whether or not you did it willfully or forcefully, just the fact that you did it is quite amazing. Uh, so I think that you have a kind of a, an inner resource, a power, an energy within you that you can harness and focus in a certain direction. And uh, again, whether it's the dreams or whether it's uh, journaling or meditation, I, I think that if you are telling your subconscious mind or your higher self or your guides that you really do want to work through the situation, you really do want to balance it, you really do want to open your heart in a stable fashion so that you can be of service to others, so that you really can see the Creator everywhere and appreciate the... Uh, the unity of all of the creation because of that. I think then that you can begin to get um, an, a pathway opened into your uh, your deeper mind and, and get some answers back here. Um, does anybody else have a thought on anything that she could do to repair the situation? No, I thought that was uh, really beautiful. Thank you for that. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> 
Well, thank you for expanding it. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, does anybody else have anything on any other aspect of her experience that uh, we need to cover here? I think I've covered everything I can think of. How about you, Austin? Um, I just wanted to mention sort of briefly that what Penny experienced doesn't necessarily seem typical or normal. It seems kind of extreme in my mind. And just to gently point out that uh, as humans, uh, with human bodies, we rely on our human body brains to sort of guide our consciousness. And it's our consciousness is filtered through our brains. And some people have atypical brain chemistry or atypical brain configurations. And um, while the uh, psychiatric or therapy industries can be rife with um, a lack of understanding of spiritual principles, uh, seeking a therapist in certain situations like this isn't always a bad thing, especially if you can find one who is sensitive to your own personal um, spiritual understandings or own spiritual path, then uh, they can learn more about your own sort of not only brain makeup, but the context of your whole life that might have led to such an extreme experience. Uh, so if therapy is something that Penny would agree with and has the ability to seek out, um, and if it resonates with her, then it could be a useful path to try to sort of uh, both figure out what happened and uh, how to help repair it and also how to um, approach a spiritual path in a more balanced manner with the help of somebody who has a, a deeper understanding of how her brain is interfacing with this reality around us. So just a, a gentle suggestion from me. Oh, that's a really good suggestion, Austin. Gary, any uh, final thoughts for Penny? Um, I don't know how helpful it is to consider, but I was just thinking about the sequence of the energy centers and the roles that they play. And uh, I keep coming back to the idea that um, this wasn't, her experience wasn't Green Ray alone. Of course, Green Ray is the seat of unconditional love. But um, I feel, and I could be 100% off, but that their energy may have made it up to Blue Ray, even Indigo Ray. There might have been some kind of piercing of the veil um, that allowed this vision of oneness. But due to the the way it transpired and, um, you know, potentially unreadiness or imbalance in the lower chakras, the subsequent crash was um, all the more difficult to bear to be, you know, feel like you're standing in the sunlight and then all of a sudden you're, you're in four walls with a ceiling and, um, ceiling and floor and there's no windows and no light. And, you know, what happened? Was that even real? Um, you know, that disparity between the two must create a big pain gap. And, uh, I've definitely been there in terms of feeling like I'm up on the heights and then not anymore and uh it can definitely be rough but anyway i just think that there's there's more than just green ray involved yeah that's a good point gary um i was just kind of dabbling with that thought earlier but i didn't pursue it but now that you've mentioned it uh i think that um one of the facets or um, qualities of the indigo ray is the magical personality the ability to create changes in consciousness at will is the classic definition of magic. And I think that that's basically what she did. She used her will to uh, take an opportunity that was given to her and to be able to move into the heart rate. Now, 
you might think, well, how could she do anything with her indigo ray when she's just trying to get into heart? And Ross said, we don't necessarily open our energy centers in order. What is the most important thing to do is to open them in a balanced fashion so that there isn't too much energy being expended in one area and too little in another, which would cause us to have difficulty in bringing through a steady flow of energy that could be used by any of the energy centers. So it may well be that Penny does have some ability to uh, use her indigo ray. And um, again, I would suggest to her, uh, as I believe Austin has too, to, uh, in a gentle fashion, uh, ask for assistance from uh, her higher self or her subconscious mind, her guides, or or just her deeper mind. Just uh, whatever source of information is available, just ask for a little guidance and some balance in proceeding along this path that uh, there's now a renewed desire to uh, become a functioning member of the open heart and to be able to utilize the uh, all-compassionate love that is located there and which she has already tasted of very uh, sweetly and would would like once again to partake of. So... um, I think that pretty much does it, unless there's a, a final thought from anyone. Not for me. Good luck, Penny. Um, yeah, maybe just really quickly, I just had some thoughts based off of what you guys were just talking about. Just that Ra described the green ray as um, uh, a springboard. So that's probably what happened, was she was springboarding from that unconditional love that she uh, was already aware of and knew existed, and then springboarded a little too high, <laughs> I guess. Okay. Uh, good job, guys. Uh, Penny, we do wish you uh, all the luck in the world, and uh, we'd love to hear from you in the future to just to hear how you're doing. We uh, love you a lot, and we're, we send you our love. You've been listening to Elena Research's Bi-Weekly Podcast, In the Now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thank you so much for listening and for supporting this podcast with your questions, and a special thank you to Penny for sending us the question featured in this episode. If you'd like to hear us ramble on about a particular topic, please read the instructions on the page at lrresearch.org forward slash podcast. New episodes are published to the archive website every other Wednesday afternoon, Eastern Time. We hope since uh, we have this contact with you every other week that you will remember from uh, podcast to podcast, from day to day and hour to hour to keep opening your hearts in love in a gentle fashion, but keep persistently doing it and sharing it with those about you. Uh, That's the way we change the world just one uh, one sweet uh, thought at a time. Have a wonderful couple of weeks. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>